Welcome to Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. We have just wrapped up our series on integrity and we are going to jump into flexibility and adaptability. We have some great guests coming up for you for this part of the series, including Allie Thomas of Nihao Chinese. We'll be offering Chinese live online this fall at True North Homeschool Academy for both elementary and high school students. Additionally, we're going to have an amazing special guest who I'll be meeting on our upcoming trip to Washington, D.C. He is an unlikely supporter of Israel. He has an amazing story, and I am super excited to have him on the show speaking to you about how he was willing to be flexible. He comes from a strict religious order, and his willingness to be adaptable and flexible changed his worldview and really his life. And you're going to be hearing from him during this series. And also Vicki Tillman of Seven Sisters. It's always delightful to talk to her. And she will be talking with us about how to train and teach our kids to be adaptable and flexible. And then also as homeschooling parents, what we need to do to be adaptable and flexible ourselves. As always, my husband, Dr. David Nearing, will be joining me for at least one or two podcasts, and we're going to have a great time talking about the difference between adaptability and flexibility, how to exhibit it ourselves, and how to train our kids in this important couple of soft skills. Let's just get started by talking about the difference between adaptability and flexibility. Adaptability often indicates long-term changes whereas flexibility means more short-term alterations. For instance, one might adapt to the introduction of a new shift pattern and be flexible enough to work late next Tuesday. So again, flexibility has to do with short-term alterations. Adaptability indicates long-term changes. So what's with the soft skills of flexibility and adaptability? I spoke at several homeschooling conventions this past spring, and as always, I talked about credits, transcripts, college and career, and launching our young adults into a successful life. As a result, I did a ton of research so that I knew that I had current up-to-date information to give to my listeners and really um, got kind of in-depth into the state of the union in regards to college, college debt, career readiness, and how we prepare our high school students for launching into the adult world. What I found was really pretty troubling, and that is that the student loan industry is a billion and trillion dollar industry that leaves our youth who attend college on average, graduating in six years, not four. And on average, these bachelor's degree students, if they actually complete, they have on average $37,000 in debt. Now imagine if that college student marries another mid-20-year-old with the same amount of debt. They have around $70,000 in debt. They're in their mid-20s. Even though student debt loan has increased dramatically, exponentially even, entry-level job pay has not. So say they both get good job, they're out working, they're paying down on their student loan debt, and they've been really diligent, and maybe they have it down to forty dollars or $50,000. But say one of them gets sick, or they get laid off, or they get pregnant, and they take a break from paying on this debt. So they take a deferment, which is completely legal. They take a year deferment on their debt. They don't pay for it and they take care of things. And after a year, they're back on their feet. What they might not have realized is that the principal is earning interest all the time that they're taking their deferment. So at the end of that year, they might actually owe more than what they started out owing at the beginning before they paid down the debt. It's really a trap and a cycle that's very difficult to break out of. And I'm going to be linking a couple articles that are very sobering in regards to the student loan crisis at the end of, um, in our show notes for this podcast. 
In addition to crippling debt, our kids are most likely to be working in a gig economy. Well, what exactly does that mean? It means they are going to be working in a labor market characterized by the prevalence of short-term contracts or freelance work as opposed to permanent jobs. So my grandma went to work when my mom was 18. This was like the late 50s, early 60s, and she went to work for GTE. She didn't have more than a fourth grade education, but she worked for them and she took night classes and she was an excellent employee. She got regular, fantastic job reviews and moved up and made really good money for what she did. She actually retired from there after 25 or 30 years and at her retirement party, they literally gave her a gold watch. She had a very stable life. Well, in many ways, that scenario isn't happening anymore, and it's probably not going to happen for our kids. The gig economy refers to a general workforce environment in which short-term engagements, temporary contracts, independent contracting is commonplace. In fact, my husband and I have been independent contractors for several years. You can make a really nice living as an independent contractor, but you also don't get things like health insurance necessarily paid for retirement or taxes taken out, so you have to take care of those yourself. The gig economy is also referred to, again, as the freelancer economy, an agile workforce, a sharing economy, or an independent workforce. Do you might think it's a buzzword that's going to go away? It is a buzzword, but the widespread growth of startups supporting the gig economy and the number of workers leveraging them, actually, are a sure indication that the nature of work as we know it is changing and will continue to change. As many of you know, In many industries and countries, the most in-demand occupations or specialties now might not have even existed 10 years ago or maybe not even five years ago, and the pace of that change is set to accelerate. Many of us are preparing our kids for jobs that might not exist right now, and we need to prepare our kids to be flexible and adaptable because they are going to be faced with a very dynamic, changing economy and workforce. Not only that, they are going to be competing for jobs in a global market. So many people that they will be working with could be coming from third world countries. They might have master's degrees and they are willing to work hard, long hours for far less than minimum wage. So not only do we need to prepare our kids for this very adaptable, flexible workforce and help them understand that traditional ways of getting prepared for vocations such as college might not be financially viable or the best way to go, but they're going to be competing with others in a global market in ways that we really haven't had to at this point. Teaching our kids to be flexible and adaptable is more important than ever before. Like Farid Zakiria says in the post-American world, it's not that America is no longer a top dog and that our kids have amazing opportunities and education available to them in the United States. They absolutely do. It's that there are other dogs on the block now and we need to help our kids manage that reality. So with that, (laughs) what exactly is flexibility? Flexibility involves adapting successfully to changing situations and environment, keeping calm in the face of difficulties. That means managing one's reactivity and stress and cortisol levels. It means being able to plan ahead, but having alternative options in case things go wrong. The ability to think quickly to respond to sudden changes in circumstances, really being able to think on your feet and being able to respond appropriately verbally without a lot of prep time. 
having a growth mindset. And that means that, that you don't believe that, oh, you just didn't get that gene to learn math or you're just grammar phobic and you have to get over not knowing how to correct the grammar in your emails. It means persisting in the face of unexpected difficulties and understanding that you can actually grow and learn. It means not getting set in expectations, but anticipating and responding positively to changing environments. It means having the ability to adapt to changing circumstances, taking on new challenges at short notice and being able to roll with the punches and dealing with changing priorities and workloads. In other words, how to triage situations, opportunities, and challenges. Not only are our kids going to be faced with a lot of challenges, but they are going to be faced with amazing opportunities. And so we need to help them understand what it means to triage. I want to do this, this, and this, but that, that, and that doesn't really apply to me. It's, it doesn't make sense for who I am or what I'm called to do. So being able to triage situations, opportunities, and challenges has a lot to do with flexibility and success in life. Along with flexibility, and it's not just about doing yoga, goes adaptability. Adaptable people exhibit, of course, many of the same characteristics as flexible people do. Because remember, flexibility has to do with short-term alterations and adaptability has to do with long-term changes. So many of these things are going to be very similar. Adaptable people experiment. They have emotional tolerance, mental fortitude, spiritual guidance, they understand the experimental method. They, they test theories and hypotheses to see what works and what doesn't work. They're teachable. And again, they have a growth mindset. Just because they do an experiment and something doesn't work out doesn't mean it's a failure. It means it's just a new opportunity with new possibilities to go after. You might have heard these adages, fail fast and fail forward. Both of these sayings recognize that failure is simply a part of reality, but it doesn't have to be end game or dead end. And a global culture which is what we live in and absolutely where our kids will live, change is rapid, change is continual. And if they have the mindset that if something doesn't work out and they failed and that's the end of the road, it's not going to serve them well. We have to teach our kids how to fail fast, how to fail forward, and how to look at failure as an opportunity, not a dead end. Adaptable people think ahead. Adaptable people are on the lookout for improvement and they're looking for ways to create extraordinary opportunities because they know that one size doesn't fit all. If you're in marketing or business at all, Big word on the street is niche down. Adaptable people think ahead. They see ways to actually niche down and they see ways to expand out. There's not one way that's better than another. Both can be highly successful and adaptable, but we need to teach our kids to do both. Here's a big one. Adaptable people don't whine and they don't blame. They don't have time to play the victim, scream abuse, blame their own limitations on their parents or education or the state of the union, and they don't continually berate others via social media. They're confident, kind, and mature. Now, does that mean everything always goes that way and that people are always kind, confident, mature towards them? No, everybody has garbage thrown in their face and at their feet, but adaptable people don't take it personally. They adapt to the situation and they respond with confidence, kindness, and maturity. That means when somebody calls them out on social media or name calls them or blames them or whatever, they're able to walk on. Now, to adapt to something, to be adaptable, you must forgo the old. You must get rid of the blame game. You must get rid of hardness of heart and, and grudges. Adaptable people don't waste time naming and blaming, but seek to understand and move on. And this is also called maturity. 
Adaptable people talk to themselves. And I don't mean in a creepy way, but adaptable people engage in positive self-talk. And it's one of the greatest single habits you can learn for yourself. Now we have affirmation cards for moms for free on the website and I'll post the link in the show notes so that you can go grab them. But adaptable people give themselves positive self-talk and pep talks all the time. Adaptable people don't claim fame. Why? Well, really, they don't have time. They don't care about the limelight and being in the middle of the picture and being the grand Pumbaa and the great kahuna because they're too busy living their lives, moving on to the next thing and productively serving and communicating with others rather than catching the attention for themselves. Now, as we live in this social media world where it's all this me culture, we have to really think about how we're allowing our kids to interact on social media because adaptable people don't waste time living in that me culture. And we need to really think about how we're going to going to strategize and triage with our kids so they don't get caught up in that. Adaptable people are also very curious. Without curiosity, there is no adaptability because adaptable people are learning and they keep learning and they learn some more. Curiosity enables growth. It pulls you along, whereas willpower pushes you forward and willpower only lasts so long. But if you're curious and you're willing to learn and grow, you're going to be adaptable. Adaptable people stay current. If you want to adapt to change, you have to know what there is to adapt to and why it's important. So adaptable people stay current. That means they're up on the news. That means they're up on the latest technology. That means they're curious and always learning and growing and trying to understand things and people and know how to interview people and know how to talk to people. They understand the art of small talk. Now look, communication is at the heart of everything we do. That's why we started out this entire podcast on soft skills talking about communication. Adaptable people realize the impact of their words, tone, and body language. They understand that all those things have an impact on others, and that's why they don't plug and play according to the personalities involved. That being said, everybody makes mistakes. You keep learning. You keep trying to learn from the mistakes you've made, make things right as best you can, and move on. Adaptable people see systems. And what I mean by that is that adaptable people are able to see the entire forest rather than just a few trees. They have to, otherwise they'd lack the repertoire of context from which they base their decisions on what to adapt to, right? So adaptable people see systems. Now, in order to see systems, you have to understand strategy and you have to see patterns. I love perplexures. I think it really helps kids understand deductive reasoning and to see patterns with words and get some great curriculum that'll help your kids see patterns. Adaptable people open their minds. Now, if you're not willing to listen to others' point of view, then you'll be limited in your thinking, which means you'll be limited in your adaptability. And by that, I don't mean that every time somebody says something to you, you change your mind. It means that you're open and willing to listen and hear someone else's point of view. That being said, adaptable people know what they stand for. The old adage, if you believe in nothing, you'll fall for anything. Adaptable people do have open minds, but they also have great boundaries. The more context we have, the more choices we have, and the more able we are to understand what positions are really key to us and what positions we need to change. The choice to change is never an easy one. However, neither is the choice to remain the same. Choosing to adapt to something new and foregoing old requires a strong understanding of personal values, knowing what's important to you and what isn't, and how to just deal with it. 
How do you deal with change? I'm going to link a couple great articles because I did pull a lot of this information from some fantastic articles on adaptability and flexibility. But let me tell you one thing. All the research that I did on adaptability and flexibility says basically these same points over and over. This is what it takes to be adaptable and flexible. Now that we've just defined adaptability and flexibility, what new non-traditional educational options are there available for our kids and what kind of training can we offer them to help stretch their emotional and mental flexibility and adaptability muscles? Well, first of all, realize that the future of work won't be about degrees. Like as, I mean, like as in bachelor's degrees, it's more and more going to be about skills and no one school can ever insulate us from the unpredictability of the technological progression and disruption that we are now in the midst of. Adaptability and flexibility are going to be at the top of the list of skills needed in this changing world. And learning how to learn is going to be the most important job skill we can give our kids in this changing market. Secondly, we have to teach our kids to be comfortable with uncertainty. They have to be able to take adventures go camping, go hiking, get out of the safety of your living room, um, get off the computer, get uncomfortable and just realize that that's part of life and that you can succeed and move on to amazing adventures from doing that. Again, playing board games and engaging in other challenges that require critical thinking, adaptability and strategy, geocaching, orienteering, hiking, Science Olympiad, Lego League, all of those kind of programs are really good at helping kids develop critical thinking skills which go hand in hand with adaptability and flexibility. Again, have a growth mindset. What you know isn't fixed and stagnant. You can grow and develop. Most of us have the ability to get over our grammar phobia, to get over our belief that we can't learn a second language, to get over our belief that higher level math is unattainable. Have a growth mindset. It might take us several times going over it, but most of us can learn. Observe. Teach our kids to observe. One of the easiest ways to teach our kids to observe is to get them out in nature and have them do a nature journal. Use the scientific method to up your game. Observe, test, adopt, adapt, change, regroup. Teach your kids what the scientific method is. Teach them to observe and record, and that'll take them a long way to becoming adaptable and flexible. And then help them develop courses of action. Conceptualize three or four courses of action that are likely to occur given any one action. So our family's taking a trip to the East Coast in the next couple of weeks, and we have gone over which route we should take and where we should stop, who we should see, and what activities we should do when we get there, and what activities we should do on the way back. Brainstorm, develop courses of action, and then what's going to occur if any one given action, if we go on this interstate versus that interstate, we can see these people, but not those people and vice versa. So help your kids walk through some of that stuff and help them do it with you. Develop a course of action for your students in elementary, junior high, and high school years. If you're not sure where to start, our academic advising program at True North Homeschool Academy will help you set goals that are fun, doable, and will take you farther than you thought possible. We are develop pamphlets on how to prepare for different careers. For instance, I just got done doing for future writers, for future filmmakers, for future healthcare professionals. And each of these pamphlets or brochures is about five pages long. And they have between nine and 12 different bullet points of things that your kids could do while they're in junior and senior high school to help prepare them for success in a career that they might be interested in, or at least even think through if they want to pursue that career. Set small goals. We've talked about SMART goals over and over in this podcast, but you really need to teach your kids to set SMART goals that are doable and then help them to get them done. Again, we have SMART goal printables at the website and I'll link that in the show notes. 
It seems like we'd mention SMART goals about every time we talk about a new soft skill, but they're so important. And teaching your kids the value of SMART goals will take them a long way in life. Travel. And, you know, we have lived all over the country from coast to coast and north to south. And what we've realized almost everywhere we've gone is that we often go to more tourist attractions than people who have lived in those places their entire life. So I just encourage everybody to be a tourist in your own city or home state. When we moved around the country, it shocks me how people don't even know about the state and national parks often where they live. And have your kids plan trips there. Learn a foreign language. Allie Thompson, again, of Nihao Chinese, which we'll be offering in the fall, um, is going to talk about adaptability and flexibility and the importance of learning a foreign language to just train your brain to be adaptable and flexible. But also, it gives you the adaptability and flexibility to be able to communicate with somebody else around the world. Now, I wrote a blog post on critical languages, and if your student knows English, Spanish, and Chinese, they can communicate with two-thirds of the world. That's pretty crazy to think about. Foreign language is a great way to build adaptability and flexibility. Commit to grit goals, and we're going to talk about grit goals when we do our podcast on work ethic, and the book Grit by Angela Duckworth is one of my very favorite books. I'm sure I've mentioned it before. Get a hold of grit goals and help your kids sit them. Now, here's a crazy one, but Don't repeat yourself. This coming from a woman who tells the same stories in over and over. (laughs) Be looking for the next new thing to learn and understand and determined to find the next best amazing thing God and life are offering you. Here is a biggie. Control your cortisol levels. What do I mean by that? The flight, fight, or respond response. So practice mindfulness, develop a prayer life, and teach your kids to do the same. Rewire your brain to do deep work. What I mean by deep work is uninterrupted serious concentration for at least two hours per day. Now, a lot of us go to work and we have the computer on and we have our phones on. We're getting buzzed and beeped and dinged all day long. And so we don't have two hours of uninterrupted work a day. If we get two hours of work done in a day, it's kind of an amazing thing. So teach your kids to do deep work and teach yourself the same. So really get focused. And then also teach your kids and yourself to master hard tasks quickly and produce at premium levels. Last but not least by any means, focus on core values like integrity. We just spent um, four or five weeks talking about integrity. So if you missed those podcasts on the soft skill of integrity, which is really in our minds, the foundation of everything you do in life, go back and listen to them. It is a wise person that adapts themselves to all contingencies, but it's the fool who always struggles like a swimmer against the current. Thank you for listening to Soft Skills 101. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes with unique studies like Chinese and Biblical Hebrew, all taught by real-world professionals. With interactive teachers and students, we strive to create a real Bible-based community. Thank you.